From the writer's room at the 10 Speed and Brown Shoe production office, it's the IGN Digigods. And now, two men who spend their days solving crimes, but their nights solving different crimes. Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Uh, another good one, Bob, sent in to us by faithful listener. John Hartzell, Middle Age Riot. That's right. I always want to keep plugging John's uh, cartoon there, his his comic strip. Yeah. It's a good one. Let's do it. It's a good one. It is. Uh, Mark, what a yes. week it's been. It has? Hasn't it? I don't know. Has well, it? The, just the, the, the ongoing Charlie Sheen meltdown. Oh, just... Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it really is. It's, I feel uh, so. I feel so bad. I and mean, he just doesn't realize that he's in the throes of something horrible. I, I, I think he is. He, I think he is so invested in who he thinks he is yeah. that I just think that he's literally thinking. No, no, people don't understand. No, they understand. I no, no, no. He's he's thinking to himself. Yeah. He's like, no, no, people don't understand. I'm Charlie Sheen. Whatever other people deal with or face in this yeah. situation, not me. I think he really, I mean, again, I, I've, I've said this earlier, I believe he literally is insane. Mm-hmm. Something happened. Like, if you tried him, you, you would have to let him go on by reason of insanity. He does not know the difference between right and wrong. You know, experts uh, have weighed in, or certainly some experts, and, and without having being able to diagnose him, but just at a distance, they're all saying this is just like classic, these are classic cracked symptoms. Oh, really? Classic, classic crackhead symptoms, you know. No, but he has Adonis DNA and exactly, whatever. and so do they all. I do want to get one of those. Uh, there, there are, you, you go, you go down to the ghetto, and you'll find yourself some abandoned tenement somewhere. It's filled with people with Adonis DNA. Exactly. Filled, filled with. They a, inject it in their veins. Yes. Whenever they can get a get yeah. a sample. There you go. Well, let's talk about more fun stuff. Oh, DVDs and Blu-rays galore. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's a it's a bit of a slow time right now. Things are picking up a little bit, uh, but it's it, this is kind of the lull because all the big holiday stuff has now officially come out, and uh, a few Oscar-winning holdbacks are trickling out now. But other than that, we've uh, we've got a, a lot of family stuff that's piled up, family and animated, which we should uh, kind of blow through a little bit here, because I know a lot of people are out there thinking, what is out there for me and for my kids, and uh, what's fun and sweet and adorable. Well, we got a few things here. Blu-ray and DVD combo uh, set, The Reef. Now, fish are always good for a hoot. There was uh, Finding Nemo, and then there was A Shark's Tale, and these kinds of animated things that deal with fish in the undersea world. They're all, it's, it's a good place to go because kids love it. And this has some really good voice talent on it. Uh, is, it, a, is, it a, you know, is it a great story? Not particularly. Uh, but it's cute enough, and, uh, you know, it, it kind of pushes all of those uh, wannabe Disney buttons. But here's some of the people who did voices in this thing. This is really terrific. Fran Drescher, great voice for a cartoon, right? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Now, yeah, but look at the first name. Thank God that guy has disappeared. <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. Thank God he has gone away. He's disappeared. I, I don't he know kind if of he's, has. Uh, well, you know what? All of those Freddie Prinze movies didn't really go anywhere, and then Justin Bieber came around and kind of stole his sex he, appeal. So that guy was so lame. He is so lame. Thank God he disappeared. Well, yeah, and and he's he's okay in this. He's fine, but uh, although know. he does get to sleep with uh, with uh, who's the girl from uh, the thing? She gets to sleep with Michelle Geller. What's her name? Oh, Sarah Michelle Geller. Oh yeah, that's right. She kind of fell off the radar too, didn't she? They got married and then they're gone. All those Scooby Doo movies done. Poof. No, but there's some great voice talent here. Uh, Fran Drescher, John Reese davies a great voice. You know, he's he's always a good that good deep British voice. Arlie Ermy, Andy Dick, Rob Schneider, huh? Come on, give it up for him. Rob Schneider, I am not giving anything up for Rob Schneider. Oh, it's, it's just voice talent. It's good stuff. So anyway, the uh, the Reef is a, is a cute little film, uh, DVD and Blu-ray, as most of these things are. Also for Blue, with Blu-ray and DVD combo pack, uh, The Miracle Maker, The Story of Jesus. This is uh, coming out just in time for Christmas? Easter. This is Easter we're talking about now. Uh, a lot of, uh, that's just around the corner. And this is actually really interesting. Uh, you know, whether, you're, whether or not you're religious, whether or not you're Christian, it, this is really interesting from a stop-motion animation standpoint because it's actually quite well done. It's a bit odd that they would choose to tell... You know the story in this way uh, kind of makes me rem- 
remember uh, Davy and Goliath back in the day. Oh, sure. Those are great. Those are great. I, I, you know what? I was, I was Jewish. I was barely religious as it was back then, but I used to love those Davy and Goliaths. They yeah. were classic morality tales. Yeah. Well, this is a little bit in that vein, although a little not quite so subtle. And uh, I, I credit the involvement of the BBC in this. Uh, BBC really uh, kind of elevated this to uh, another level. But there's some good extras here. Uh, a little making of stuff, audio commentary with the producer and the director, storyboard uh, tidbit. Uh, so that's, that's uh, very, very well done on Blu-ray, I'll, I'll say. The Blu-ray really is uh, an exceptional job. You can see the thumbprints in the clay. I kid you not. It's very impressive. Please. And then also, DVD-Blu-ray combo, uh, Jonah, a VeggieTales movie. Now, I'm going to have to just cop to people who tell me that the VeggieTales are so awesome that I just can't comprehend it, because I just don't understand the point of this. You know uh, why? Because Jonah, of the VeggieTales, yeah. he has Adonis blood. That's Adonis exactly DNA. what it is. What does he have? He has tiger blood. And tiger blood and Adonis DNA. Okay. That, that, that's what Jonah has. Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, there's uh, a lot of stuff on here. The Blu-ray, again, is really the only way to watch this, but it's uh, this is CGI stuff, and I'm just not... I don't get the VeggieTales thing. I really don't. But this was apparently somewhat popular with kids, and uh, there's a lot of audio commentary talent here. Uh, you know, everybody from the director of animation to, uh, the, uh, the, to Larry the Cucumber himself, and uh, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff kind of shows you how all this VeggieTales stuff happens, the magic that goes on behind the scenes. And outtakes, believe it or not, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff that just really helps uh, unravel the animation process. Not sure you want to show your kids. It might terrify them a little bit. But, uh, you know, that's Jonah, a VeggieTales movie. And then, Mark, I think we're both a lot more on board with uh, The Secret of Kells, aren't we? We are, you know, uh, although I'll say this, when I first popped that thing in, because I got a screener, because there was a bit of an Academy Award push for that thing, yeah. or at least a LAFCA push for a it. A year ago. A year ago? Yeah. Um, I thought it was so dense that I just had to stop watching it and then watch it like the next day, because I wasn't into something, uh, a story told so uniquely. Well, yeah, it is. It's one of those, you know... Uh, the Illusionist, the mo- more recently, is a little bit dense in similar ways. And this is what you get with European animation. They're not interested in just giving you a really simple uh, children's morality tale on a cookie. They, on the, a cookie? The, on a cookie. Or on a cracker. <laughs> the Secret of Kells actually is uh, rooted in Celtic mythology. And uh, it's a very elaborate an incredibly cool and very different style of animation. And uh, it was nominated for an Oscar, very deservedly did not win, but probably should have. And uh, this is first rate. It's on Blu-ray. And uh, this, uh, it also has a DVD on it, like all the others, but forget about the DVD. The Blu-ray is the only way to watch this. It's really first rate animation. You fully appreciate it that way. Our good friend Charles Solomon is a huge fan of this. And Charles Solomon is the guru of animation at uh, the LA Film Critics. Also a film critic. He's a uh, anim- animation critic for Amazon. But uh, a lot of really cool extras here, uh, including uh, stuff on the voice recording sessions. And Brendan Gleeson is just a man. I, I just can't say enough great stuff about him. Um, but uh, yeah, The Secret of Kells for animation fans. Kids may find it a little, like Mark said, it's a little bit dense. Kids might not totally gravitate to it. But, um, you know, give them time. Give them time. Give them a little bit of time. Well, give them time to enjoy, oh, God, <laughs> the Backyardigans. We are pirates. I know. This is uh, four episodes of the Nickelodeon show, and each one has to do with pirates. Pirate Camp, Pirate Treasure, Sinbad Sails Alone, The Tale of the Not-So-Nice Dragon. Uh, the Backyardigans are so rudimentary, it is really hard for me to critique this. Uh, you know, there's a blue it's got a It's got a following, and if you're part of it, you are. If you're not, don't even bother. Exactly. There's no uh, there's no extras on this thing, just the four episodes. And uh, you know what? It's the Backyardigans. What can Yay. I tell you? We are pirates. Woo. Uh, also still in the same vein with Nickelodeon, still in a Nickelodeon mode here, is the... Uh, the unexpectedly successful Nickelodeon phenomenon of SpongeBob. SpongeBob SquarePants in the Great Patty Caper. I still don't get SpongeBob. He's a sponge, and he talks, and he lives in the bottom of the ocean. I don't get it. But uh, here's what you get here. You get a bunch of, uh, bunch of SpongeBob uh, adventures. The Great Patty Caper. Growth Spout. Stuck in the Ringer. Someone's in the kitchen with Sandy. The Inside Job. 
That won the Oscar. Oh, not, good. Not this one. Greasy Buffoons and Model Sponge. Well, we can be talking about the real inside job shortly. But you know what? All this stuff, I kids love it. I, I get excruciatingly bored in about 10 seconds. So, um, you know, not much by way of extras. But uh, it, it, look, SpongeBob, do we really, does it really need any introduction? Honestly, tell me. Uh, Scooby-Doo, Mystery Incorporated, Season 1, Volume 1. Uh, I loved Scooby-Doo growing up. I'm not so keen on what they have done to it more recently. Uh, this is uh, kind of, Sco- you know, look, Scooby-Doo started in the 60s, for crying out loud. So this has been going on a long time. And I'm not really sure that we need more Scooby-Doo. I think they've kind of done the whole Scooby-Doo thing to death. And... The way they're animating it now, I'm not a fan of. I don't particularly like the writing now. Uh, maybe I'm too old for it, but, um, you know, just doing it all over again feels like they're belaboring the point. And the animation's not as good as it was originally. You know what's not as good as it was originally? Huh? Tom and Jerry. Ah, that Tom, too. Yeah, Tom and Jerry Volume 1, Fur Flying Adventures, 14 uh, cartoons, about an hour's worth. You know, I don't like these new um, Tom and Jerry's. They're just not as good as the uh, as the classics. It's like the, it's like the Scooby Doo's. Look, it's like it is like the Scooby Doo's. Look, yeah. the Tom and Jerry cartoons began in 1965. Hanna Barbera did them. Yeah, they were just terrific. They were great. You know, uh, even in, even in the 60s, they were on CBS's Saturday morning schedule. Uh, they were just they were just really fun. They've been in and out all you know ever since. There was a second Hanna Barbera era from uh, seventy five to seventy seven. There was now the filmation stuff I didn't like because I don't like filmation. And then after that, I kind of just got you know there was like Tom and Jerry's kids, and it's just all so lame. I just think that the that the ones from the sixties are the classics, and the and the seventies too. But once you get once you get get into the filmation stuff, not that great. And uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say pass on um, for flying adventures. I uh, I do not have a daughter. I am not a girl. So I don't really understand the obsession with ballet, but I'm sure a lot of people out there have little girls who don't want to do their ballet lessons. And you know what? That's when you whip out the DVD of Angelina Ballerina Ballet Dreams, and you show it to her, and then she won't complain about ballet class anymore. No, she'll complain. Yeah, she probably will. Uh, this is CGI animated. Uh, Angelina Ballerina is a, a little mouse who... Uh, you know, is, is 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 aspiring to be a great ballerina, and uh, this is <laughs> that's the whole the whole thing here is really pretty obvious. It's uh, it's meant to just be a way of assuaging children so that their parents don't have to press them to go to ballet class anymore. Specifically, girls. This is from Hit Entertainment, who does a lot of uh, decent family stuff. I don't really get it, but I, I you know, look, this is almost like a utility DVD. It's a, it's like uh, how to fix your toilet. How to make your daughter go to ballet class? Whip that one out. Uh, a little still for the girls. Madeline on the town. Now, Madeline, I really enjoy the animation of. Um, the uh, you know, it, it's it. The nice thing about Madeline is that it's, uh, as everyone knows, this has a long and and deep following. It's a it's a classic. You know, this is children's classic stuff. The books are great. Uh, the animation tries to be as good as the books and doesn't quite pull it off. But you know what? It's still awfully engaging. The animation, the artwork, it's faithful to what the original artwork was in the books. And uh, for that alone, it's uh, worth a recommendation. This is from uh, Shout Factory's children's line, Shout Kids. And uh, you get six adventures here. Madeline on the Wedding, Madeline on Stage, Madeline at the Fashion sh- and the Fashion Show, Madeline at the Ballet. Madeline at the costume party and Madeline's birthday at the zoo. Uh, you know, so again, writing's not as strong as it should be, probably given the uh, the pedigree, but uh, the animation really is first rate. And then uh, we got this thing here called Reboot, which uh, I had never heard of before. This is seasons one and two of Reboot. This comes to us from Shout Factory. And uh, it kind of creeped me out a little bit when it arrived because you uh, look at it and you go, um, okay, I get it. It's CGI animation. looks a little bit anime-inspired. It's kind of creepy, though. There's some these, these characters have green and purple skin. I don't understand. What is this thing, and how did I miss two seasons of it? Well, uh, without getting into too many details, this is kind of a cyber tale thing. And uh, it's... It's sort of Tron-like-ish, 
Uh, everything kind of takes place in a, a digital world, and um, this is allegedly the very first entirely computer-animated computer half-hour TV series. Um, it was originally on television in 1994, at which point I completely missed it, and uh, now it's finally out on DVD, uh, the first two seasons. It is, uh, you know, there's still a lot of very bad CGI animated stuff in television these days, but uh, it hasn't come that far. Now, this thing is, uh, again, it's it's better now than it was originally, but, um, yeah, it, it's now, you know, go figure. We're a decade and a half past, and they're, they're bringing Reboot back. So that's what Shot Factory does. They dig up the goodies, and they bring them back. We like the Shot Factory. We do. Uh, Beyblade Metal Fusion Volume 3. This is uh, the Cartoon Network show. Uh, you know, I, what, what kind of annoys me is that they only put like seven episodes on I know, these DVDs. I know, that's, yeah. I don't like that. Beyblade is that whole, it, it's it's anime, but it's uh, more accessible anime. It's a little more accessible, but still it's like, you know, the search for the Ginkka and the Beyblade mentor. And it just, it's all just too, where's, you know what, give me back Tom and Jerry. Okay. <laughs> Beyblade starring Tom and Jerry. <laughs> I'm not into this uh, kind of stuff, but uh, if you are, you may you may dig um, you may dig Volume Three of Beyblade Metal Fusion. Mm, Beyblade, Beyblade the Gay Blade. I'll Maybe not. I don't get it. All righty. Uh, the Chosen One is, uh, as you might imagine, a Chosen One story, from slacker to superhero. Uh, this actually won the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival's Best Experimental Film Award. I'm not sure why. It ain't that experimental. But uh, it actually is pretty fun. It's, uh, I, I've seen worse animated films, to be honest. And this one's not brilliant animation, but it's actually relatively well-written and has some interesting voice talent in it. I always look for the, the cool voice talent. And, uh, you know, Lance Henriksen hasn't done anything in ages. Tim Curry has kind of vanished. And it's nice to see them show up with, of, of all people, Tracy Lords and Chris Sarandon. So they're, uh, you know, they went out of their way to actually get some interesting voice talent, not the obvious voice talent. And uh, as far as those, uh, you know, underdog tales go, uh, it ain't bad. It's all right. You know, uh, if you're if you're kind of a, an underdog loser or slacker and you... Uh, That's me. I'm an underdog loser. Well, this is the story of how you can become a hero. Yay. It's a Luke Skywalker-y kind of thing. Why not? Yay. Elmo's World, Penguins and Friends. Uh, I like Muppets. I don't like Elmo. Elmo is the exception to the, the whole Muppet world of Jim Henson's creation that I, I just don't like. But uh, you know what? You get uh, three episodes from Elmo's World that are just filled with... They're, they're here because they're, they deal with animals. Uh, penguin Pals, Hop to It, and Horsing Around. It, look, I'm not four, so I just don't get Elmo. I kind of want to punch Elmo most of the time. A, you are four. And yeah. B, uh, Mill Creek releases a lot of uh, public domain stuff. They release a lot of uh, you know TV stuff that they've licensed from other companies. But they also do a lot of good family stuff. And uh, here we've got Johnny Test. Now, this is the first two seasons of the Cartoon Network series Johnny Test. Not to be confused with Johnny Quest. This is Johnny Test. And uh, not to be confused with Johnny Quiz. Okay. And uh, this is the first two seasons, 26 episodes, real good, uh, real good bargain here. This isn't like five or six or seven episodes or even three like we were just talking about with Elmo. This is 26 episodes. So this will, as far as digital babysitters go, this will keep the kids preoccupied for a good long time, like all day. Just You'll even forget that you have children. Uh, and you get five bonus episodes from other series here, uh, World of Quest and uh, Gadget Boy, Potatoes and Dragons, Nano Boy. Uh, not bad. The whole idea of Johnny Test, uh, it's all right. It's Johnny Quest-like in some respects. I think that's why they try to uh, suggest a connection between the two with the title. Uh, we like the dog, though. Dookie the dog, very cool. Very, very cool. So, um, yeah, that, that's uh, that's worth a look. Cops, all, this is also from uh, Mill Creek. Uh, Cops it has fewer episodes, ten episodes. And this is a little bit more muscular for the boys and the family. The girls won't enjoy this. Uh, you know, it's it's a rock'em sock'em super cop uh, kind of show, and uh, you know, it's got everything except RoboCop. But the sensibilities are straight up RoboCop. And uh, this, unfortunately, is is a tie-in with Hasbro because there's a whole 
toy line that this is apparently inspired by a la G.I. Joe. But, um, you know, it, it, considering that it's, it's shameless and otherwise overly commercialized, the shows aren't terrible. They're actually relatively entertaining, and this will keep the kids busy for about four hours. So, uh, you know, this was done, by the way, in the, in the 80s. I didn't realize it's been that long. I remember when that came out. It, it feels like it was just like a decade ago, but it's more than two decades ago. Isn't that crazy? You love cops. Yeah, totally. Now, oh, oh so this isn't the bad boys, bad boys, what are you going to do? Uh, no, not it's not. Cops. No, not that cops. I understand. Not even remotely that cops. Uh, let's roll through the rest of this. Still, still in the Mill Creek line, we got a couple of Paddington Bear discs here. There's uh, Marmalade Madness, 28 episodes. And Paddington Bear, the complete classic series, 56 episodes, including three half-hour TV specials and 15 bonus episodes. Marmalade oh Madness. Gosh. What will we do with all the Paddington Bear? Mark, Paddington Bear, come on. Marmalade Madness. But Mark, it's Paddington Bear. You know what? I, I would shoot that bear. <laughs> That's what I would do. I'd skin him. And I'd, I'd make him make a rug at him. Nah, I'm kind of with you there. I, ne- bear. I never understood the Paddington Bear obsession either. But kids love this thing. I don't know. Paddington Bear, based on the uh, the books by Michael Bond. Um, and this, uh, the only thing that makes this a little bearable is the fact that it's it's UK produced. Whenever this stuff comes out of the UK, I, I feel I feel a little bit of teletubbiness in the background, making it more tolerable. And of course, this is uh, this is not animation per se it's not not you know cell animation this is uh well it's, it's like stop motion it's, it's like an actual uh, yeah it's it's stop motion it's dude. it's like its own it's it's its own funky thing um it's it's it stylistically very interesting at least they're thinking about it they're trying to do something a little bit more uh, novel and unusual well there's nothing more novel and unusual why are we talking you know what seriously here's the thing we we can't make qualitative judgments yeah. on things like timmy time I know. Because really, you have to be three <laughs> to know whether it's good or not. And you know what? We, don't have, time, we, don't, we have three-year-old listeners, don't we? Uh, well, I, I'm These are the parents we're making these references to. Interesting. That could be true. Yeah. Good, good spin. Thank you. Uh, Timmy steals the show. Timmy takes center stage at preschool. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wait, hang on. There's five playful performances uh, from... Uh, now, by the way, here's the thing. You really can't make fun of Timmy time because you realize that the guys who created this are the creators of Wallace and Gromit. I know. And Shaun the Sheep. Yeah. So you really can't be uh, making fun but of it. But it's still it's still pretty uh it's still pretty kitty oriented. That is true, but uh you know uh Nick Park and uh he's uh he's he's an EP on this thing. And we got five performances. Timmy steals the show, Timmy's picnic, Timmy brings a smile, Timmy can't dance and Timmy gets taken away by child services. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> I was just I said that to see if you were paying attention. Of course I was paying attention. Uh, Invader Zim, Operation Doom. See now, this Are is we a done Nic- talking about these. But uh, these almost, we're getting close. We getting close. There's a few super superhero things in there that we got to get to. Because you know it's getting to be superhero season with the summer coming up and all that. We got the, the got the Thor and the uh, and the Avengers and all that junk. I don't know what to make of Thor. I just don't know what to make of that thing. I'm just hoping that Branna can pull it off. I know. I just he's I'm never not, made a movie like that though. I'm not. I look at the trailer and I go. This could be incredibly cool and fun, or it could just be the most horrendous abortion I have ever seen on film. But will it be fun? Will it be brooding? Will it be Shakespearean? I don't know what he's going to bring to it. I don't either. It's and, just, and, I, and Captain America, likewise. I mean, I'm glad that with Captain America, they're going the World War II route, you know, which is what he originally was. He's a, he's a World War II hero. I'm glad they're they're you know going back in time with that, but I I don't know where they're going to go with that either. Well, the director is not all that talented. What's Who's the director? Uh, Joe Johnson. Really? No, no. Um, hang on. Joe Johnston. Yeah, hang on, Captain. As in uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Joe Johnston. Uh, yeah, Joe Joe Johnston. Yeah, he, Joe Johnston's a good guy. I, I trust him more than I trust Zack Snyder. Well, okay, okay. Joe Johnston's last film, The Wolfman. Yeah, I know, but he, look, was he was he the was that his fault? So was. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Invader Zim, Operation Doom. Uh, you know what I like about Invader Zim? I like the fact that it's kind of really edgy, cool, aggressive animation. And uh, this is this is a little. This is from Nicktoons, and it's a little edgier than what you would normally get. So I can I can appreciate the edginess. Because um, look, I mean, it's Invader Zim. Give me a break. It's it's dark and it's uh, a little bit cynical and the animation is really really cool. You're the you get uh, a slew of episodes here, about a dozen episodes, and uh, more than that, it's like fifteen or sixteen episodes. 
and that's uh, that's better. That's much better. So we appreciate the effort there. Um, Pop Goes Thomas is from Thomas and Friends. Thomas, of course, is that really freaky, terrifying, scary train with a face. And uh, that freaks me out. This is from Hit Entertainment as well. I can't, I just, I can't abide anything to do with Thomas the Train because it, it gives me freaking nightmares. Um, animation's not bad. And then in the, uh, getting into the superhero vein of things to wrap all of this out, we have from DC Universe, the original movie, All-Star Superman. The, uh, these uh, Warner and DC uh, animated specials uh, are hit and miss. The Batman ones have typically been really pretty good. This, is, the All-Star Superman, is, um, is decent. It's not as good as their best uh, Batman ones, but you know what? I, I, it makes me wonder why they can't do, because honestly, this is better than the Brian Singer Superman. I'll say that. Really? Yeah. That it's, says a it's lot. A, it's, well, it's a better script, you know? Maybe they should be hiring the guys who write the scripts for these things, too. Uh, Dwayne McDuffie wrote this. You know, it's like, hire Dwayne McDuffie to write the feature. You know, don't go hiring these, like, uh, multi-billion dollar screenwriters who give you a crap script. I mean, these, this guy actually has sort of an appreciation for what Superman's all about and gives it a good comic flavor. So, you know, give these guys a shot. You don't have to go with the obvious A-listers. And then the Marvel end of things from Cartoon Network, we've got a volume three of the Superhero Squad show, Quest for the Infinity Sword. Uh, you know, Mark and I are on the record as not being fond of, uh, you know, taking all movie characters and TV characters and making them kids. As though, like, you know, Baby Thor and uh, Baby Iron Man and, uh, and they were all pals and fighting crime when they were little kids. Very peculiar. But, uh, you know what? This, is, this has its moments. And no, it doesn't. You, all right. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven episodes here. Uh, it has a following. I'm not among them. And then lastly, before we get into yeah, other more interesting things, Mark's, Mark's happy. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, yeah, Volume 2. This is it. 20 whopping episodes uh, from Classic Media and uh, by way of Mill Creek. And, uh, you know, there have been a number of incarnations of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, and I just, I'm not a He-Man fan. There's something incredibly, uh, I don't know, what is it, Mark? What bothers me about this guy? Maybe it's the haircut. It's the haircut. It's too, he's too gay. I guess. It's the haircut. No, it's what it is. It's the page boy haircut. It's the, uh, the Prince of Valiant looking thing that he's got going. And the fact that uh, his enemy, his arch nemesis, is, uh, is the former first lady of the state of California. Maria Shriver? There you go. Connect the dots. Uh, Come on. What do you mean? Skeletor. Maria Shriver. Oh, I get it. It's late at night, folks. It's late at night. We're not as sharp as we normally are. Anyway, uh, 20 episodes here, including, and, the, and look, I, I watched this as a kid a little bit, too, and didn't particularly get it then, but there's a few here that are, uh, you know, reasonably decent for this era of, of uh, animation. Uh, Evil Seed, uh, The Dragon's Gift, Double-Edged Sword, and uh, Prince Adam No More. Not bad. All right, Mark. Yes? We've got documentaries, some very good documentaries. We got inc- including an Oscar winner in here, but we we've got also doc. got some a little bit of TV. Yes, and we got a little bit of foreign film. We got uh, an interesting line of Tribeca movies that we should talk about at a certain point. And then we've got new movies. Where do we go? I think because we bored the hell out of everybody new with movies. all this uh, 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 kid crap. Time for new movies. All right, Mark. She was the co-host of the Oscars. It's Love and Other Drugs, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and the, the delicious Anne Hathaway. You really do think Anne Hathaway is delicious. I do. I, however, I'll say that she's very... Uh, she's Here's the thing. She's one of those uh, actors, and it's really a shame, where like 90% of the angles that you see Anne Hathaway in, she looks beautiful. But then there's that 10%... Where you just see a mouth. You just see a mouth. And it's a little weird. It's very off-putting. You're like, and, and now we've we've no, actually, you didn't see her in person. I saw her in person. Yeah, I've never the, seen uh, her in person. You were at the Fox Searchlight party. I went to the Fox Searchlight yeah. party and uh, was completely thrilled to stare at Anne Hathaway. And by the way, uh, she's um, uh, tall, uh, very thin, thinner than I thought she'd be, with uh, very much. You know, it's kind of like Marissa Tomei, little tiny delicate China doll facial features. That is Anne Hathaway. Uh, anyway, this film uh, was directed for some reason by Ed Zwick, 
who doesn't do these sorts of movies, and uh, here he is doing a movie about two people who just kind of fall in love. The, the question is, the nude scene that has been made so much of, uh, what's the deal on that? Uh, well, everyone's nude. Yeah, well, but not, you know, not like not like his Wang hanging out nude. Is she? But is she like scandalously nude in the scene? Uh, yeah, actually, it's surprisingly nude. Okay. Uh, he plays a Viagra salesman for some reason, and uh, she's got a medical problem. Mm-hmm. I and see. they fall in love. Okay. I, you know what? Uh, I guess I understand what Edswick's trying to do, but uh, I just really uh, did not groove on this movie. How's the uh, How's the Blu-ray? Uh, you know what? It's it. Here's the thing. Most of the movie takes place in this one apartment where they kind of live and hang out and then sleep together. So, uh, but the um, it is well shot. It is well shot because you know what that that major set was was a uh, that was a soundstage, uh-huh. and they did a very good job lighting it for the different types of days uh, and the different uh, situations, and uh, so it's well shot. I see. But uh, the special features include uh, some deleted scenes. Uh, an actor's discussion, which is kind of interesting, and a, uh, a featurette. There's some BFD live stuff on here, allegedly, as well. A uh, whole I love the... that stuff. Yeah. Come on, how could you not? Behind-the-scenes junk. And stuff. Ooh, on Blu-ray and on DVD, but not on a combo disc, is the... Um... Recent, uh, the, well, the other the other person who hosted the Oscars. Isn't it funny their movies come out the same week? No, it's not funny, Wade. Not at I'm all. not laughing at all. The director, the the remarkably talented director of The Ape, uh, stars in 127 Hours. That would be James Franco. And, uh, you know, this is uh, a movie that was very, people were pretty divided on this. And I fell on the negative side. And again, I love Danny Boyle. Have nothing but respect for Christian Coulson, the producer of the film, who also produced Slumdog Millionaire, because I sat with him uh, a couple of years ago at our awards dinner. Wonderful guy. But I just don't like this movie. I don't like it in the least. Uh, this is the story of Aaron Ralston, who, as everybody knows, is the guy who went hiking in the uh, in the, the rock formations of southern Utah and uh, got lost and trapped and a boulder fell on his arm. And the only way that he managed to survive and tell the tale was because he cut his own arm off. Uh, to me, that is a story of stupidity. I don't know what the lesson is there. Maybe bring a cell phone, uh, bring a satellite phone, bring a GPS, don't go alone. I, I don't know, but the, the the movie never really makes the point. It's sort of a movie about an incident and not a story, and I'm not into incidents. And I think Danny Boyle kind of goes a little too far to make the, try to make the movie interesting. You know, there's these weird dream sequences and hallucinations, and it's well made, but I don't need to see this story. And I'm not so sure that Frank, you know, a lot of people love Franco in this. I, he didn't really do anything for me. That being said, the Blu-ray is an exceptional transfer from 20th Century Fox, who normally does not do good Blu-ray transfers. 20th Century Fox too often phones it in with the with Blu-ray, but this one is this is sharp. And uh, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they shot the movie digitally, which Danny Boyle does very, very well. But uh, the, the Blu-ray is probably the only way to watch this. And also because sound is such a huge part of this movie. So the uh, the lossless audio on a really good system will kind of blow you away. But otherwise, Mark, I'm not a fan. Wade, you ignorant slut. All right. Tell me I why like I'm wrong. I like this movie. I know you do. And I like this movie for the same reason I like Black Swan, which is that uh, both movies take place inside the characters' heads. Well, aren't you the Fox Searchlight uh, shill today? <laughs> why? What else? No, no, I'm just saying. It was Black Swan, also Fox Search. Those were their two big awards films. Well, the, but they're good. I, Black <laughs> Swan I love. This film I, I like a lot. Uh, I think James Franco commands the screen. I think he's terrific. I think uh, he it was. It, it's a hard part uh, that seems easy because all he's doing is what uh, he's uh, st- staring and yelling. It's a rock, but you know what? It's tough. Yeah, it's a tough role. He did a great job. The Blu-ray looks good. Uh, the film is edited and shot and s- sound mixed within an inch of its life. It's, it really is. The sound is the is the thing that just shines in this film. And I, do, I just love how you just sort of go down, down, down into the into the abyss with this guy yeah. in his head. You know, you see, it's like he's standing in one place for the whole film, yet you feel like you've been on a journey with him. And I think that says a lot. So yeah, I, okay. I'm, I'm totally down with it. Okay. I like that. Fine. Uh, what I liked less is the next three days. The Next Three Days is uh, written and directed by Paul Haggis. And uh, Paul Haggis, of course, uh, directed uh, uh, Crash, which I hate. And I love. I don't know why you love that movie. I just don't get it. One Um, Best Picture. Huh? One Best Picture. Yeah, yeah, because all the actors voted for it. (laughs) 
the worst. Um, this film is about, stars Russell Crowe as a uh, as like a community college professor whose wife, played by a completely bland Elizabeth Banks, is arrested for murder, thrown in jail, and he decides he's going to bust him out. And uh, the way Haggis does it is it's not really portrayed as a super action thing. He really wants you to feel like just this mild-mannered teacher is going to actually, you know, man up and mm-hmm. really try to do this thing. You know, I think that Russell Crowe, I love Russell Crowe. I, I, I'm, I'm going to actually say he was miscast in this because the moment you put Russell Crowe in, in, in a film like this, it just becomes an action film. Yeah. He's not a mild-mannered secu- uh, a community college teacher. And uh, I just found it um, really just not that great. You know what? And Olivia Wilde is in it for some reason, although I, I think Olivia Wilde is magnificently gorgeous. Uh, the last uh, third of it is pretty much the escape attempt, and I will not tell you what happens uh, during it. And uh, I, I just think that Haggis, Haggis had this idea of making a movie about, you know, what happens if what happens if your spouse becomes somebody you can no longer love in order to get you out of a difficult situation. Yeah. But none of that comes through. It's really just an action film. Wow. Uh, the There's two discs here. Uh, the Blu-ray contains the DVD. But also on the Blu-ray, you have uh, a filmmaker's commentary, a couple of deleted scenes, a making of. And, uh, you know, it's not bad. It's, it's a good-looking movie. No doubt about that. In yeah. fact, you should probably go ahead and get the Blu-ray, especially since it already includes the DVD and a digital copy. But, uh, you know, maybe Booyah. it's a rental, but I just was not, not a fan of the movie. Well, uh, Tim League is an interesting guy. Tim League is, started the Alamo Draft House Theater in uh, Austin, Texas. And uh, has since branched out from that very successful exhibition endeavor. You know, now you've got a lot of draft houses around the country, and they have a whole kind of higher-end approach to uh, exhibition of movies where you can, you know, have food served while you're watching the movie and all that kind of junk. And uh, he now has a distribution company called Draft House Films, which is a very good development. The first film that they acquired and released, however, was a bit of a mixed bag, and that was Four Lions, which is now out on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. We have the Blu-ray here from Magnolia, so they're obviously going with an output deal through Magnolia. They're not releasing their own stuff just yet. And that's probably right. Magnolia kind of has the same market, and they know that market. So it's a, it's a good meeting of the minds. Now, Four Lions was a really quite a scandalous success in the U.K., which is where the movie hails from. Uh, Chris Morris is a British director, um, co-wrote this with uh, a couple of other people, Jesse Armstrong and Sam Bain. And Chris Morris has a reputation in the U.K. Here we don't know him so much, but Chris Morris is known as a guy who is really, he has a very bitter, bitter dark, and acerbic sense of humor. And that comes through in spades and four lions, because I think a lot of people will not know how to deal with this movie. This is about a group of jihadi terrorists and uh, who are planning uh, suicide bombings in the UK. And they are absolutely and totally inept and incompetent. The thing is, it's not like they're portrayed like the Three Stooges or something. These guys are jihadis, and they are seriously intent on doing some damage and killing people. And, and, you know, praise to Allah and all that stuff and Allahu Akbar. I mean, it, it played seriously just enough to where you really feel uncomfortable. And uh, a lot of people are going to really not want to laugh at stuff, even though it's incredibly funny at times and darkly funny. Um, it's been compared a little bit to uh, black comedies like Dr. Strangelove that have similar edge to them but I think this really you know too soon maybe too soon maybe too soon but nonetheless very well made and it's uh it's some of it is similar in sensibility to um oh the film that you really liked from a couple of years ago you know what I I I can't remember the name it's driving me crazy it's the British film yeah the British film Oscar nominated for uh, screenplay screenplay we gave it best screenplay didn't we yes we did why Uh, can't we remember the name of that movie I can't hang on you'll come up with it I'll vamp Please vamp. I'll vamp. Uh, anyway, Four Lions wound up on a lot of uh, 10 best lists last year, but uh, did not necessarily make a big showing with our group, which I thought was uh, surprising. I really expected a, a few people in our voting to say, uh, hey, Four Lions, but nobody did. Anyway, uh, what I do like, again, going back to Tim League, it's a, it's a good launch for— In the loop. 
In the loop, thank you. It's a good launch for Drafthouse Films, and uh, hopefully, you know, we need more good distributors out there picking up edgy films and different films and uh, kind of mixing it up in the marketplace. So if Drafthouse can continue to find stuff that others uh, will not release or cannot release and does a good job with it, I think we're going to see a more diverse marketplace for movies, and and God knows we, we sure as hell need it. Uh, we always get interesting stuff from Film Movement. We love the people at Film Movement. Go to filmmovement.com to find out more about their Movie of the Month Club or their DVD of the Month Club. Uh, it's a great way to get these films before anybody else gets them and to see stuff that gets acclaim at festivals all over the world but which never makes it into theatrical release here. So you, you really almost get a – it's like a film festival delivered to your home every month. And uh, if you're obviously part of the DVD, uh, the DVD of the Month Club that they have, you get this stuff before it goes to the uh, commercial market. And this is Helena from the Wedding by Joseph Infantolino. This is uh, an American independent film for a change. And, uh, you know, a lot of movies with the word wedding in the title have been released and bombed over the last few years. But this one, uh, I actually think, is pretty darn good. This is about a, uh, a couple of newlyweds who are... Um, having a party in this uh, mountain cabin and they have their friends come over and uh, over the course of the um, the weekend things happen and I won't tell you exactly what happens but it's a good character piece it's well written it's very nicely staged and uh, definitely a film worth watching definitely worth a rent at the very least written and directed again by Joseph Infantilino and you get, as always with uh, Film Movement you get a short film here a little 12 minute short film from Sweden called Awaiting Examination by a director named Elisabeth Gustafsson and uh, it's a good pair because it's uh, it's kind of similar in some respects but uh, this woman I think has a really big career uh, in features if she can uh, get the shot so well done for all of them a uh, few oldies here. Mark, I'm going to let you uh, get started on some of the, the, the docs, but the? I'm going to just mention some of these oldies that are being released. Olive Films has an output deal with uh, Paramount where a lot of these old Paramount classics are being uh, picked up and released from Olive because Paramount just doesn't want to have to deal with it. And Bravo, because Olive is going to do a great job with this. Off Limits, directed by George Marshall, is a very, very fun and funny movie from 1952, starring Mickey Rooney, Bob Hope, and Marilyn Maxwell. Now, Mickey Rooney, of course, was just in the news recently because he's uh, accusing his stepson of elder abuse, and that was a really sad testimony before Congress. Oh, my God. Did you see that? That was really sad. First of all, all, uh, Mickey's 90 years old. I know. And he's 90 years old, and he's angry and crying. I know. It was just bizarre and It broke my heart. It it broke my heart. And, And I've made fun of him as much as anybody else has, you know, Dana Carvey with the, in the world, in the world, you know, that whole shtick that he would do, and that was 10 years ago, but uh, no, it's really, really sad, it's very sad, well, anyway, this is a, this is a, a younger and more vibrant Mickey Rooney in 1952, uh, with Bob Hope, and Bob Hope is really the star of this movie, it just, he just nails it, um, the, uh, the, the story here is that Bob Hope is a boxing trainer, and he only has one champion fighter who, uh, <laughs> who he loses to the, to the, uh, the draft. So uh, it, it creates all kinds of problems. Um, and Mickey Rooney is the, uh, <laughs> is, is the boxer who sort of, well, who, who steps in. Uh, it really, very funny work between Bob Hope and Mickey Rooney. They, uh, they work well, very well together. And uh, this, uh, this Marilyn Maxwell, kind of out of her league, but doesn't matter. Uh, from the Warner Archive collection, which, of course, you can access by going to warnerarchive.com. These are uh, DVD-Rs that they burn as you order them. The, uh, this is directed by uh, Wanda Tuchok and George Nichols, Jr. It is called Finishing School. I had never heard of this. This is originally an RKO film that wound up in the Warner Library through all of those mergers over the years. And uh, i got to tell you, this is one of those really fascinating pre-code films that makes you go, hmm, interesting. Um, the, uh, this was meant to be kind of titillating at the time. Nothing of the sort now, but uh, you get an interesting, uh, interesting little turn here by a young Ginger Rogers in a, uh, almost a minor part. Um, but Finishing School really could not have been made just a few years later. This is 1934, and by 1936-37, you've got the code in full swing, and you could not have been doing anything about girls' schools that dealt with some of the subject matter that this one deals with. So um, a very interesting film in that regard. 
And then uh, lastly, just want to make mention of, uh, well, we got another classic here from the Olive and Paramount uh, licensing agreement. This is On the Double with Danny Kaye and Dana Winter. Anything with Danny Kaye is always worth watching. This is directed by Melville Shavelson, who made uh, more than a few decent films. This is a little bit edgy for its day as well, 1961. Uh, it's got some of that Nazi comedy in it that... Uh, uh, you know, a few years later, less than a decade later, you had Mel Brooks really capitalizing on that in the producers. But I think uh, people will be surprised at how uh, at how forthright this was already in 1961. Uh, Danny Kaye was really pushing buttons here, so uh, check that out. It's uh, not bad. Not a great Danny Kaye film, but not bad. And then lastly, I want to make mention of the uh, Blu-ray release of Excalibur. This has been now remastered specifically for Blu-ray. Uh, Excalibur was out previously on Blu-ray, but apparently a lot of people complained. So we uh, get a marginally better release now. I don't think it's as good as it should be because I love Excalibur, one of the seminal films of my movie going from 1981. Uh, you only get the commentary with John Borman on this, so I am still hoping that they, at some point in the future, and hopefully before the film's 40th anniversary, that they do something uh, much more worthy of this movie. I mean, really deck it out. Give me a give me a Blu-ray book for crying out loud. Warner Brothers, you do good Blu-ray books for color purple and all these other things. Give me something good for Excalibur, would you? For his 40th in the year 2021. 20, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't believe it's been 30 years since Excalibur. That makes me feel so old. Just uh, All right, Mark, what do we got in the world of documentaries? It's also dire. Uh, speaking of dire, our uh, dependence on oil is dire. So says uh, Josh uh, Tickell, or Tickle, probably Tickell. He wouldn't want to be known as Josh Tickle. Oh, that'd be awesome if he were, though. His uh, documentary is called Fuel, and, uh, you know, I didn't like this documentary. I feel like this guy is, uh, you know what, he's, he's sincere, but don't cry on camera. It's really not that important. Uh, he gets a bunch of celebrities like Sheryl Crow and Willie Nelson and Neil Young to talk about our dependence on fuel and how horrible it is. Uh, Tickell himself uh, spent the 90s driving in a van powered by, by cooking oil. And, uh, really? So he really walks the walk. And in the documentary, he talks about uh, how terrible oil is. You know, it's just one of those like Michael Morey type, uh, you know, d- d- alarmist documentaries that I'm getting a bit tired of. Where like you know he's not just the documentary maker he's not just the director he's the star and the the, the big personality you know like the Michael Moore guy and uh, I'm tired of it so when, when they make themselves the subject of the documentary yeah. really yeah he cries during this movie mm. so uh, I would pass on fuel what I would not pass on is a movie called Aphrodisiac the sexual secret of marijuana this is from Impulse Pictures this is basically uh, two steps away from porn let's face it. Well, this is, this is exploit. This is yeah. like one of those quasi documentaries from the Mondo era. Yeah, it's from 1971. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a docu- it's a quote unquote documentary. So it's almost like uh, what's what's uh, what's the classic one? Uh, oh, oh, uh, Reefer Madness. Reefer Madness. Yeah, a little bit like that. Yeah. Uh, it talks about harvesting weed and 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 drug trafficking and uh, all sorts of which is you know what actually is in, in a in a weird way is a bit uh, educational, but still it's it's a Mondo film. Don't you worry about that. And uh, special features include uh, nothing. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the thing is, Impulse releases a lot of the, the, the kind of, like, soft core stuff, these, um, you know, cult films and softcore films. And, uh, yeah, this really, <laughs> it's, not as, it's not as scandalous as, as it thinks it is, but it's, uh, for people who like this kind of stuff, it, it's a nice thing to add to the collection. You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta give props to the picture on the cover, though. Come on, tell me that's not a way to market a movie. <laughs> Exactly. It's a it's a picture of uh, it's a picture of a topless woman with basically uh, her top sort of uh, covered well in one hand by some marijuana leaves and then she's got a joint in her hands. I'm not sure that this fo- this picture if you look at it it's probably it's been sub- substantially photographically doctored. Really? Yes. Um, you know, Wade. Uh, there's a sticker. On the uh, Blu-ray of Inside Job that says Academy Award nominee best oh, documentary. They couldn't print out the winner stickers fast enough. Oh, as you know, it won. It won the best documentary. And you know, last I, re- I really, I really, I should have banked on this, uh, so to speak, because there was no way they were going to give Banksy the Oscar. Really, was it? They they just always go for the obvious political choice with this. They they just this is their statement category. It is. And uh, they always go with it. I mean, this was the only one of those films that really kind of fit that profile. I thought they'd go different this year. I thought they'd be done with that, but 
They didn't. No, and you know what? When you really want to get a sense of the liberal pedigree of this film, on the back of the DVD, at uh, the back of the Blu-ray box, there are little photographs of four of the most prominently interviewed people in the doc. They are Barney Frank, Elliot Spitzer, George Soros, and Paul Volcker. That is a that is a murderer's row of liberals. So obviously this is a uh, documentary about... Um, the uh, economic scandal and the financial meltdown that started in around uh, 2008. And uh, you know what? I got to say, um, Charles Ferguson, who's uh, taxied to the dark side, also won an Oscar. A very talented guy. Very. Uh, but you know what? It, it's just another one of those just... It, it just feels like... Activists a, packed yeah. with statistics and, uh, and talking heads. And it's not really telling a story. Well, that's why I didn't really think... I mean, I should have known just from the, the track record that this is the film they would go with. But that's why I didn't think they'd go with it. I just thought, you know what? I mean, if you're really looking at a documentary, this is a very uh, conventional documentary. I know it's a really important subject, but it's very conventional. But then again, uh, you know, an inconvenient truth is, is just a guy doing a PowerPoint. You know, that is true. I mean, that's really all that is. They're they're not. You know, it's not interesting. Like, uh, but you know, then again, look, uh, Buena Vista Social Club also lost to a much more conventional documentary. So, it is what happens. But uh, inside job on Blu-ray? No. Do you need to see this on Blu-ray? Not in the least. Uh, but uh, you know, it works on Blu-ray and it works on DVD as as well as I guess it can. That's telling them, Wade. I'm trying um, to feign enthusiasm as exactly. best I can. I'm tired. You are tired. And we're tired long, of you. It's what? been a long week. Uh, why, why has it been a long week, Wade? It's been a long week. Tell Unky Mark. I don't know. It's been a long week. You know, I'm working, all that tiger blood and albatross venom or whatever the hell, it's, uh, it, it, it wears you down. Um, a, a very strange um, recommendation this week will be called Bizarre Bizarre. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know about this. This is a Lloyd Kaufman thing. This is a Lloyd Kaufman thing yeah. hosted by James Elroy, one of the great crime writers. Well, because the whole thing is it, it, it's appropriately creepy for Elroy to tell us this story. It's a, it's a story about this. Is this is really creepy. You know, in 1988, there was this guy who was discovered, I guess by police, running down the street, actually limping down the street, really, wearing a dog collar. And Yep. And that's the that's the most normal part of the story. And this happened in Kansas City, and it all got traced back to this guy named Bob Bordella, who was from Kansas City, and he was obsessed with the occult, and he had been torturing and murdering these young guys, and this is his story, and it's just, not only is it an interesting story, but the way it's told is interesting. Uh, there's interviews, obviously, but there's also really violent reenactments. And there's even like a musical number in it, and it's just a bizarre little movie. In fact, it's called Bizarre. In fact, it's so it's so nice they named it Bizarre twice. Yes, it's well, called, it's Bizarre, B A Z A A R, and then Bizarre, B I Z A R R E. Yes. So this is a, a, a an extremely strange uh, movie that is not like any documentary you've ever seen. Um, it's good. It's good stuff. Bizarre, bizarre. I would definitely check it out. Uh, emergency mine rescue. It's time for the documentaries about about the Chilean miners. Yeah. Here they are, thirty three of them. It was a good, amazing story. God love them. I know there's some uh, there's some interesting stories coming out now about how they were, you know, they were near suicidal. They didn't want to tell you that part. Also, you realize what they didn't tell you, which has finally come out, is that something did happen to that little tube that was taken that was ferrying the miners up and down the shaft. Something happened to that tube during one of the uh, one of the, one of the uh, you know the uh, ascensions, and uh, people didn't know that at the time. In fact, I think it w- in fact it was live when they in Chile when they brought these guys up, but it was on delay. And when something happened to the uh, to the tube on the way up, they uh, they cut away from the uh, they cut away from the action. Uh, that's all that stuff is just getting out now, as well as the actual uh, mental state of these uh, miners. They were like almost suicidal. Um, none of that, of course, is in this thing called Emergency Mine Rescue, which is all about the engineering that went into getting these guys out. Of course, it's an amazing story. They all live. God love them. Can't imagine what I would do in that situation. I'd probably just die. 
I would just wither and die. I'd kill myself. I, I, you know what? I, as long as they provided me a Blu-ray player and a television, I could have stayed down there forever. How would they do that? I don't know. You'd drop one down the shaft. You're out of your mind. Thank you. Um, anyway, it's 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 a good primer on it until something better comes along or the inevitable film starring like when Javier Bardem. Brad, or well, yeah, Brad Pitt has the rights, I think, to the to the movie. Now. Does he really? I think so. Well, I didn't know that. Uh, the best documentary of the week is a little thing called uh, A Film Unfinished. We like this movie a lot. Although, I got to tell you, when I found out that, the, uh, that, some of the, 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 um, uh, that there are recreations in this, I didn't like that. Yeah. That, that felt a little bit phony to me. Well, here's the background. The, inter- background. Like the interviews with the guy. And not to give anything away. But, you know, the, there are those interviews with the guy, and he looks like he's the older version of the guy. He's not the guy. He's an actor playing the guy. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the part that made me go, oh, How'd no. you find out about that? You know what? I, uh, somebody told me that. Like, Tim and I found that out. And at that point, Tim completely revolted against the movie. Really? Yeah. Did you Google it? Is it true? It's true. Yeah. Andy Klein found that out, actually. Andy, really? Andy had it. That's actually where it began. Andy had a sneaking suspicion. Because Andy's very good at picking up cues of things that don't ring true. Because he's he's a real wonk for that stuff. And Andy, th- there were things that just didn't th- that didn't smell right. He was playing Sherlock Holmes with the movie, and he went and researched it, and finally pressed the publicists, and they had to sort of hmm and ha and yeah, well, yeah, it's not the guy. Really? Yeah. That is horrifying. I know, right? But it's still a great film. I mean, the footage is is, is amazing, it. and the survivors, their reactions are are indelible. So. Well, here's here's what the movie's about. Although now I'll be much more enthusiastic. For years, Holocaust documentaries have been utilizing about an hour's worth of German-shot archival footage of the Warsaw Ghetto. And the material came, became like this essential visual record of the, of, the, of, the, of the Warsaw Ghetto during the war years. In the documentary, we learned that much of this footage was staged by the Nazis for a never-completed propaganda film. So all the footage that we've been watching about the Warsaw Ghetto, which we assumed was just life in the ghetto was actually staged for a Nazi propaganda film that never got released, that never got finished. So a little ironic, then, the stuff in the movie about that winds up being staged. I can't believe that. That's just terrible. Yeah. So what happens is the director here, this uh, guy, Yael uh, Hersonsky... But by, by the way, all the dialogue is, is legitimately from his, um, his deposition or, or, the, or whatever, the, the, the transcripts. I mean, it's, right. it's legitimately what he said. It just wasn't, you know, Well, you, Well, you know what, what, what makes me... Especially angry is because you know in Client Nine, in Client Nine they are uh, they don't say it initially, but they do eventually fess up early enough in the film where you don't feel totally betrayed. Yeah. But they do fess up to the idea that one of the uh, one of the escort girls that is in, interviewed in the film is actually an actress reading the answers from the interview. Like the director of, of Client Nine interviewed the this one particular escort girl. But she did not want to be seen on camera, so the director hired a an actress to reenact her answers. No kidding. And that's so, terrible. but but in, in but in Client Nine, he tells you that he's up front. Oh, that's lame. He, that's not lame. Being up front is good. No, no, being up front. But I mean, say, what's saying lame? It's, it, yeah. yeah, what's lame is what this guy's doing. Hersonsky. Yeah. Well, it's it's just lame to to do it in any any situation at all. Uh, all right, we are uh, fast running out of time here, so let me uh, throw a couple of TV things at you. It's a slow week on TV. Uh, if you're still big big on the wrestling thing, we get WWE stuff all the freaking time. The big show, A Giant's World, is about uh, the wrestler primary. Well, it's a lot of uh, a lot of matches for the wrestler known as the Big Show, originally known uh, as the Giant. He's played. He's been in two different wrestling leagues, WCW and WWE. And uh, this is a lot of the uh, a lot of matches he's had under both monikers. Everybody from Hulk Hogan to uh, you know Ric Flair, Nature Boy to Stone Cold Steve Austin to uh, The Rock and Triple H. It, it, if you're a wrestling connoisseur, I, I guess there's a value to that. <laughs> you're a wrestling you, connoisseur. Are you a wrestling connoisseur, Mark? I don't know that those two words have ever been uh, <laughs> okay. uttered in the same sentence. And then lastly, on DVD and on Blu-ray, the complete first season of The Walking Dead from AMC. You know, uh, this show actually ain't bad. Uh, this is this is a post-apocalyptic zombie show, which you would never imagine for television to be actually something you could work on a week-to-week basis. But Frank Darabont, who did The Shawshank Redemption and has a great pedigree in horror, uh, is the is the godfather of this thing, and he has done a great job. I, I don't know if they can keep it going past the first season, but boy, the Blu-ray is gorgeous. It is a good-looking Blu-ray. 
So um, if you, uh, I, I say definitely if you're a fan of horror television, check out The Walking Dead, the complete first season. Uh, the new season starts soon, and there's a lot of great bonus features on this. With that, we will see you next week. Check us out Thursdays, 8 p.m. Pacific time at stupidformovies.com as well. We'll see you next week. Bye.